0: Happy
1: hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Kluck, joined, as always, by Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. And, uh, boys, we kind of have, have a little bit of a travel episode on, uh, on tap today because I am traveling, being that I'm very important. Um, Big R and, and Pipe, you, you both are important as well. Um, I, I Ron, appreciate you, the affirmation. No, 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 no. And, and you know it, and I know it, and the listeners know it. But if anyone's new to the program, I want them to know how often you travel so that they know how important you are and how important we all are. Um, but Ron would love this hotel that I'm ensconced in, man. I am in a very vintage, hipster hotel in uh, in Oxford, Ohio. Uh, I'm speaking at Miami of Ohio the next couple of nights and, uh, yeah, this, this place is the money, man. You would, you would love this big
0: R. Why don't you describe it? Big yeah. You're going to say, okay, I, tell I, us it about. I'm A, trying to picture what this these, is like.
1: Yeah. It's one of these old downtown buildings, kind of like, uh, I, I don't know, like gentrified downtown buildings, which I know big R wouldn't know anything about. Um, actually, he's the king of knowing about gentrified downtown buildings. That's why that's funny. So it's, that's the it's, only uh, thing I know about. It's either. That's, that's the only right, thing. That's, I that's the extent yeah. of what you know. When you about. say
0: the word, when you say the word Sheraton and Marriott, I, I'm literally gone. I've never heard of those words.
1: Yeah. What are those things? Yeah. Baby, it's called the Elms and they've got, uh, of course they've got the vintage is. old, the Elm sign like in the lobby. So the uh-huh. old like light up, you know, the big steel sign, they've got that still in the lobby. And, uh, yeah, being that it's a college town, man, it's just great, to, uh, Walking distance to to you know all kinds of great food and uh, and nightlife options. So uh, so we're going to enjoy ourselves in uh, in Oxford, Ohio tonight. And um, as I know you guys would if you were here as well. But uh, we have a lot we have a lot actually in the travel space to talk about. But Pipe, I want to get to some business uh, first and foremost, man, because we have business to do on this episode. So I want to uh, quickly promote Lagaris Roasters and Happy Rant Signature Blend Coffee. Uh, if you haven't done so already, now is the time to go to HappyRantPodcast.com and get yourself a pound of Happy Rant Signature Blend, craft coffee uh, roasted with loving care by one Hector Lagaris of Ligaris Roasters. Uh, boys, this stuff is flying off the shelves. I've been in, uh, I've been in high-level talks with Hector all morning, man, um, just talking with him about how to fill all these orders. So I think a lot of our listeners uh, are enjoying the Happy Rant Signature Blend uh, each and every morning. And you need to make Hector Ligaris your regular coffee guy. Um, I think everybody needs a regular coffee guy, a coffee roaster, um, and Happy Rant and Hector Lagar should be that coffee. Uh, and Pipe, you have you have a little business to conduct on the program as well, don't you?
2: Yes, we, we do. We have, we have another sponsor uh, because we are business mavens and this is what we do. Uh mm. so Nav Press is sponsoring this episode. They are highlighting the book Words from the Hill by Stu Gerard. Uh mm. he he occasionally shortens his name to Stu G, uh, which mm. I think is great. That's actually how they referred to him in the press release that I was sent. Um so before What does Stu G look like, man? Give me a little visual. You know, Stu it's G. funny. They sent me talking points, but no picture. But I bet we could look oh, him exactly. up, especially because he is, uh, he's probably best known as the guitar player for the very, very successful late 90s, early 2000s band Delirious, hmm. who many of our listeners will be familiar with because they were sort of on the front end of the rise of the worship music boom. So it was like them and Wow Worship. And uh, interesting. I have, to,
1: I have to tell you, I've never heard of Delirious, man. What are we looking at like? demographically there is it it like guys and girls or just dudes
2: it was it was guys they were uh they were british or they they probably still are british uh come to think of it and um they had sort of a u2 coldplay vibe to them so sort of that brit rock thing which is why they were so successful in the states because we love nothing more than importing exotic sounds uh like English rock and roll, uh, and and it merged that with with uh, worship music. So they did they did songs. They I think their probably their most popular song was the Happy Song, uh, which mm. which was it had more substance than the title uh, would mm. would hint okay. at. But yeah, you would need to. Would- well, and and I was actually a when I was in college at Wheaton, so early two thousands. They came mm-hmm. and did a concert uh, there one night, and they needed they needed some students to help, basically be roadies because they didn't have a full crew, you know, to set up all the lights and everything. And you got a free ticket, so I was like, "Well, shoot, I'll go." And so, you know, I helped I helped build all of their their light uh, their light towers and everything, and then got a free ticket to a Delirious concert. So I may have met Stu yeah. G. Uh, I'm sure he would find that experience memorable. I I don't remember meeting him though. Interesting. Uh, but the book itself is called Words from the Hill and it is it's basically a reflection on the beatitudes. So rather than walking through them as lessons, it is sort of a look at how those beatitudes, the attitudes, the spirit behind them shape life for Christians around the world because as somebody who's gotten a chance to tour all over the place, he does a lot with the persecuted church and things like that. So he's he's looking at how the beatitudes have uh are reflected and sh- and uh, have shaped the lives of people who are um who are persecuted uh, around the world and and so think poor in spirit, think love your enemies, think th- those sort of things. And that's what, he's, that's what he's looking at. And he calls it an invitation into this. So that being the case, uh, I think it's sort of a fresh look at the Beatitudes. The book is Words from the Hill. You can find it at thebeatitudesproject.com or Amazon, or you can go to navpress.com and find it. And that is the sponsor. I like it, Pipe
1: um that sounds interesting and uh i i have to tell you i have to come clean and say that i'd never heard of delirious um but you've you've piqued my interest you you know what you had me at british worship guys so uh i'm gonna check out delirious i'm gonna check out the book um but but guys we have travel stories to tell uh because this is travel week on the program and uh it's kind of travel week because of what went down uh at united airlines this past week Um, United, as they are wont to do, uh, overbooked a flight. Uh, They couldn't get people to take the bump, as per usual, and uh, a guy threw a fit. A guy just went berserk, and it was just kind of uh, emblematic of what it means to travel uh, by air nowadays. So uh, I want to get you guys to weigh in both on the United fiasco, but also uh, just maybe tell a story from the road, man, a travel story or two. Uh, that kind of uh, in- encapsulates what the glitz and glamour of the road is like. Uh, Pipe, let's uh, actually let's hear from Big R. He hasn't said a whole lot yet, so uh, let's get Big R to weigh in on in this since he's our, our our resident traveler.
0: Oh, dude. Yeah, I mean the United thing. It's uh, it's kind of funny, right? In in some ways, not that this guy got bludgeoned half to death or anything like that, but right. just funny in the sense that like at some point. United sends their handlers in to escort this guy off the plane. He resists they take him by force, and all i 'm thinking is you guys know the world that we live in right now, like, like anything you do is going to be recorded it 's going to oh. go viral everybody 's going to find out you know what 's happened nobody 's going to be happy with uh, the moves that you guys made and the results that you know that occurred uh, because of it. And so you just like you you look at situations like this and you just kind of go like, I can't believe that things you know escalated to this point with them knowing what would what would become of it. Because there's there's never not knowing what becomes of this stuff now. Right. I mean, it is what it is like anything like that. It's going to it's going to get out. It's going to go around to everybody. So it's amazing that they that they got like semi violent with this guy thinking, oh, yeah, we'll just drag him off the plane and nobody will be the wiser. You know? Yeah, I mean
2: it, it they they could have gotten destroyed as an airline simply for booting four paying customers to to uh for the sake of transporting their own employees around even if nobody resisted like all it would have taken was somebody, you know, somebody posting something to YouTube or a Twitter video or whatever and instead they decided they're like no 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 we haven't done enough let's let's give a guy a bloody nose while we drag him by his feet <laughs> off the airplane
0: it's so insane. I, I mean, it's like it's like one of those things where, like, okay, if you do this, this is going to happen. You know what I mean? It's like so crazy. What, you know, and and then the great thing was that their CEO defended it.
2: Like he, yeah, he was. You know, he gave sort of that. He gave the uh, he gave the most corporate speak apology ever, where he was like, "We are so sorry for having to reaccommodate these passengers." I'm like, that that was not reaccommodation. That was. Uh, that was crowbarring somebody out of their seat, almost literally. I have a crazy one
1: from uh, before 9 11. So I was flying Airtran. Have you guys ever flown Airtran? Uh, Beautiful Airtran. Yeah, the worst, kind of scariest airline, I think. Uh, I think there they're is is Airtran still?
2: I think they're owned by Southwest now. And so they've either been folded in or they've, uh, or, or yeah, they just have sort of. Sort of they've sort of become part of the Southwest family, which I'm guessing has improved yeah. their service.
1: Yeah, I'm guessing that too. I, I didn't even know if it was still even a thing, but, uh, but we used to fly to, uh, to Atlanta and to Orlando on, uh, on AirTran back in the day uh, because I had in-laws in those places. And this was pre-9-11, uh, but we had a situation where I think we were in Atlanta, we were waiting to get home and they boarded like half the flight at the gate, and then the gate attendant just left and we could see them rolling away like the the little tunnel thing and uh, like closing the door to the airplane and everybody was freaking out. So everybody still like remaining at the gate was freaking out and they were all looking at me for some reason to do something, I guess because I was tall, um, <laughs> but I was young. I, I was like, I was, I was way young at that point, like early twenties and the little phone at the desk rang and everybody was like, answer it, answer it. Um, so I did, so I picked it up and I said, Hey, (laughs) I'm at gate like 11 D and, uh, our, our gate guy just peaced out and it looked like the plane was starting to taxi away. So like, you know, what's going on the, you know, the rest of the people need to board the flight. They're like, Oh, we're so sorry. We'll have somebody there immediately. And I hung up the little phone Well, the original gate guy came back and he was livid. He was furious, like (laughs) screaming at all of us. And he wanted to know who had picked up the phone because that was a huge, you know, faux pas, even back then. Um, So I I just walked up to him. I said, uh, you weren't here. So I picked up the phone. Um, So he starts. he begins to scream at me and and he's threatening like airport jail and and all this. Um, And then, (laughs) wow. Yeah, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. And he was, he was a little man. He was a little man with a, with a high voice. That might um, explain a lot of things. He was a very mad little man.
0: Dude, is there it really airport?
1: Ton, is it really airport jail? I
0: mean, what does that Dude, mean?
1: Dude, there, there is airport jail. I think I've seen it in the movies. I've never actually seen airport jail, thankfully, uh, because someone from Airtrain Corporate intervened and and told me that I could go ahead and get on the flight. Uh, so KK and I boarded, um, and the angry little man actually came onto the airplane at one point, and he was he was pacing around very angrily and pointing in my direction. So. <laughs> Uh, it was, it was only, it was kind of like the end of the movie Argo. Like I really didn't feel comfortable until like the wheels on the plane had gone up and we were actually in the air, you know, until then I thought there was some chance that I could get dragged off to airport jail. But, uh, but yeah, that was <laughs> by, a crazy by your feet, I, by my feet. I don't love, I don't love domestic air travel. I have to, I have to be honest. It feels like it just kind of feels like a, a, like a more complicated bus travel anymore. You know what I mean? Like, all that general public, everybody's crammed in. It, it's the worst, man. I don't like it. I either want to not travel that way or I want to have so much bank that I can just like charter private planes. So, well, uh, is- I
0: mean, that's you know, that's we're all going to be doing that when we do live in Louisville. Doesn't Heck yeah. have a private jet for us to do live in Louisville with? I mean, didn't Dude, we to do
1: live with? in Louisville with, to go down to Honduras with, to check the coffee plants. You know, I mean, that's yeah. that's definitely in our future. We'll sell a few. You know, a few more pounds of uh, of Lagaris Roaster Sappy Ram blend, and we'll all be chartering
2: private planes.
0: Just a few uh, pounds uh, away. I, think, I pounds
2: think we away. might need to sell a few pounds of something else in order to make that happen. Uh, <laughs> that's, and, true.
1: that's true. That's true. Maybe heck, has a has a connection in that area. You know? I, I know. mean, uh, co- I can, I can
2: coffee <laughs> and Coke tend to grow in the same parts of the world. I'm just saying. Um, they really
1: do, uh, man. They really do. Pipe, do you have a, do you have a, a story from the road?
2: You know, I'm, I'm racking my brain and I have experienced all of the common inconveniences of flight, you know, delayed flight, spending the nights in airports, rude service, lost luggage, broken luggage. Uh, just, but I can't think of anything that stands out other than just like, that was a bad day. You know, like they, they ruined a the whole day by being terrible. Um, I just, I feel like, I feel like when you go to fly, you just expect that you're going to get treated like crap, you're going to be late, and you're going to show up feeling like you need three showers to wash off the travel you just experienced. <laughs> I mean, it's just sort of like that's, that's true. Just you're probably
1: going to lose some luggage.
2: Yeah. And yeah. And you might not have the toiletries that you need to actually take the showers. Um,. <laughs> I every time I go through security, so I, I, you know, I work in publishing and I'm an author. I take books with me pretty much wherever I go. TSA checks my bag every single time it's like they've never seen a book before or multiple books. Pipe, I love
0: that you're that guy. I love that you're the guy that always gets checked because I never get checked. See, I, I love it. I have it.
2: TSA pre-check, which means like you don't have to take Do your that. shoes off. You don't have to take anything out of your bag. You just throw your stuff on and walk through and they ruin it every single time because I'm like, sweet, I'm going to fly through. Nope, they're going to bomb swab my books every single I, time. The Dude, run.
0: Thing, There's always that's, a guy that gets checked every it's, time. Like, I know I other guys that get checked every time that's so funny
1: big r how does this happen because you're always wearing like 11 jackets and you're kind of like swarthy and heavily bearded and pipe is the most sort of like white midwestern looking guy i i know
0: dude this how is what's this crazy ha- listen to this so like you know how they do the thing where they like you know take off your shoes take off your take off your strip down naked like like take stuff out of your pockets oh is like that how I, you I, get
2: through you just run you just strip down naked and dude, they're all like I no really go right ahead no
0: no 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 I leave everything on. Dude, Ron has to take off his
1: 14 jackets. It takes like an hour and a half. <laughs> he uses Dude, I just all ignore. the bins. I leave on my jackets. I leave
0: guy. all the metal stuff in my pockets. I never take it out. I leave my shoes on. They never seem to notice. Yeah. I walk right through and I'm on my flight, man. Like nobody cares. You know, and then you have those other guys that literally are like walking through. They're sticking their hands up above their head. They're standing there in their underwear, and they still get chapped. Yeah, I get. I, you know I, I mean? stop like fine. the
2: the metal rivets That's on my fine. shoes beep or something like that. I mean, it's it's everything.
0: I it. Yeah, I I would call it profiling. You're no, I just got these three watches and like seventy five dollars worth of quarters. Now there's nothing in there. Well come on through, <laughs> sir. Looks good. I mean that's, that's literally my story every time. Baby,
1: that's outstanding. No wonder you love traveling so much. It's a nice experience for you.
0: I mean, it's okay. I mean, you know, I mean I have, you know, I-, I can say that like United, no pun. Um, about 15 years ago, lost a vintage piece of electronics that I have never gotten back. Oh. But they did give me—wait for it—a $25 travel voucher for that I never used because I never wanted all to all of $25. I,
1: That's amazing. You
0: know, I, I kid, I kid you not. Well, because you outrageous. didn't want to get
2: dragged off your next you could flight. Half clearly. A bag
0: yeah it just wasn't worth like you know to go through all this you know to get the hundreds and hundreds of dollars back but so here's my weird story so my weird story is when we moved to ohio we had to bring our cats with us you can leave your comments for all that for another time but anyway so we have no, our cat- maybe i'm
1: a cat guy I'm, i forgot i, your- I know Piper. i celebrate that
0: all right so we have our two cats in our in our little in our little carriers right and so me and big m we're, we're walking up to tsa and um, Big M is holding the cats because I got the bags. And, and the, TSA, the TSA lady goes, Big M, I'm going to need you to take those cats out of the, of the carriers. And, and Big M, lo- Big M looks, at, looks at TSA girl and goes, yeah, I, I really can't do that. And TSA girl like looks so like side eyes me like did she just say that and I just kind of shrugged and said she kind of did you know <laughs> and so she said ma'am I'm gonna need you to take those cats out of the carriers my wife literally gets into an argument with TSA girl saying here's the thing I, I'm not going to take the cats out of the out of the bo- you know out of the carrier because they're just gonna run out all over the place and so she's arguing with TSA girl and TSA girl is looking at her like I don't think you understand how this works like you're not getting through until you remove those kitties. You know what I'm saying? And so after wow. about, yeah, after just,
2: yeah. Did you did you take them out?
0: We took them out and they almost ran ran through. And so we, so this is when it gets crazy. So we get through this fiasco, everybody's staring at us, right? And we're again, we're moving to Ohio, so our lives are just upside down anyway. It's like the worst day of our life. Everything's just falling apart. And um, so we get through TSA and I look at Big M and I literally am like, you're joking, right? I'm like, you know, nobody argues with TSA. Like, you know how this <laughs> is, right? And she's like, no, I've only flown like one other time with you. I didn't know that we, we weren't supposed I thought maybe this, hold on, wait for it, boys. I thought maybe it was negotiable is what Big M said.
1: Oh. Ooh. <laughs> so
0: yeah. there it is. There's the story. TSA, well, and, TSA and Kitty Cats, man. That's, that's how it almost ended th- for me. Th- those
2: are two of my least favorite things in one story. <laughs> I love it. TSA has all of the emotional intelligence of a cat, too. Like you just—you never know what you're going to get when you walk up. You might get like a high five and a hug and have a great trip. They might be like stripped naked right here, and we're going to like do an acid test on your skin. I mean, they just—who? They're insane. All of them. They are. I don't know. How, I don't know how you just tied that in with a cat pipe, but okay, because because you could walk up to a cat and they could like purr and wrap around your feet, or they could like bite your face because they're cats, and you but just see, never that, know what you are going to get. That's emotional
0: complexity. Whereas a cat just, whereas a dog just stands there and hops up and down with its tongue out, with actually <laughs> absolutely like zero emotional depth. So I don't, I, I don't know, how, I don't know how you made that comment like that. I'd like to hear you explain that pipe.
2: Uh, because I'd rather have an animal that hops up and down and always likes me than that threatens my life. Like when I look into the eyes of a cat, I see an animal that would eat me if it was 30 pounds bigger than it is. But instead uh, you it's know, too and, small.
0: Yeah, it's a predator, but it has a brain. I mean, y- your comment was that it doesn't have a brain. No, my comment you, was that it doesn't have, have a brain. soul.
2: It, like it's this it's this <laughs> evil, soulless, uncaring being. We We can't go down this road again. This is not going to end well.
0: It's diabolical, but, but, di- but a diabolical creature tends to think through things. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, as you so, know, what,
1: Speaking I, of soulless and uncaring, <laughs> we, should, uh, we should talk about <laughs> politics a
2: little
0: bit. Yes.
1: Um, uh, I, feel like, I feel like soulless and uncaring is the, is the perfect segue into politics. So uh, there was a guy, um, and, and speaking of other things that are non-negotiable, one non-negotiable aspect of public life is that you can't, Under any circumstances, invoke the name of Hitler uh, to win an argument or to prove your point. Uh, And this is something that uh, Sean Spicer learned the hard way recently um, when he invoked Hitler's name in an argument. Um, Now, my question for you guys is, have you ever done this and how did it go?
0: Invoke the name of Hitler?
1: Invoking the name of Hitler. Yeah, to make a point.
0: I mean, I try to do it whenever I can because it's such an extreme thing to say that it actually makes your much lesser point. But I have found over the and I usually do it when I'm like isolated with like another person. I don't I don't do it like, you know, it would never I'd never use public. it as a sermon illustration, right? Yeah. So I probably wouldn't go there. But and you wouldn't um, do it
1: on say the largest podcast in, in the history of Christian radio. On the
0: happy is- rant, absolutely not. I mean there's big T there's no chance on Earth there's no chance in Hitler I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> would, uh, i mean not even close would you do it from the white house like press
2: room to national media for example
0: oh well, of course i would do that oh yeah, okay I mean, that's well you I'm and
2: gonna... sean spicer you're so similar
0: <laughs> yeah i don't know you rat you can you can vamp on that for a minute pipe because i i kind of co- i covered that lightly but i don't have a lot of info on that other than that he just is. I mean, it's not shocking, right? I mean, no, Spicer's so, but just but being it, spicy. It wasn't I mean, just
2: it wasn't just that he invoked the name of Hitler. It's that he he said something that was one hundred percent historically inaccurate while invoking the name of Hitler. <laughs> so he was he right. was comparing uh, Assad's chemical attack in Syria to, and he was saying even Hitler didn't use chemical warfare. Forgetting <laughs> that millions Friend. and millions of Jews were gassed to death, then he came by back Hitler. and tried to defend it by saying, "Yeah, but As- but Hitler never used it on his own people, like Assad mm. did." I'm like, "Oh, mm. so you like you you went from yeah. stupid and wrong to like racist and stupid and wrong because those were <laughs> German Jews." Who, yes. who were who yes. were killed by gas, and so it was just I don't I can't think of a bigger like just foot in mouth historically inaccurate bomb of a uh, a press uh, press conference that I've ever seen, and that's saying something given the uh, the politicians we have had in this country. Yeah. Hello, you guys there? Yeah just cut out i thought ronnie was about to say something i heard a breath that wasn't me oh, okay but <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't ronnie
1: ronnie didn't breathe <laughs> no, ronnie ronnie i haven't, breathe. He ronnie I haven't, breath, like I haven't
0: breathed for 10 minutes i've been breathless for 10 minutes <laughs> you can't
1: breathe in the 14 jackets they just I, yeah sink his lungs.
2: I'm, I'm also <laughs> yeah i'm also rendered breathless after that that particular that particular statement i just yeah the thing is there's go ahead there's there's not a whole lot to
1: say in response to that you know it, it's 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 hard to imagine anyone doing worse in that press conference. Well, what I was, like, would, would Pipe, I'm going to throw a name at you. Would Alan Iverson have done worse?
2: No, of course not. He would have, I mean, at, <laughs> if he got a question he didn't like, he would have just walked out, which would have been a much safer bet than trying to say that Hitler didn't gas his own people. Uh, but the thing that I was trying to figure out was what will Saturday Night Live do with this?
0: Like, oh, how a, do you yeah. make
2: a joke out of yeah. that? It's almost like Um, to turn it into a joke, you almost have to make Sean Spicer a history professor.
0: I mean, the second he said the word Hitler, I mean, (laughs) I mean, you guys you guys know a call was going like like Alec Baldwin just received like his phone rang right when the word Hitler was said by Spicer. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Melissa McCarthy, who actually does the Sean Spicer impression and is. Spectacular at it, by the way. Yeah, uh, she got the same phone yeah, call. She, yeah. she, well, she got it and she was like, what? Like, no, that was in my next script. Like I was supposed to make the Hitler <laughs> joke because because that's the most outrageous thing you can say, except he did it and then doubled and tripled down on it. And yeah, I don't I I can't see what SNL is going to do with this. So besides have him come out and do like a very genteel, historically accurate, kind press conference or something.
0: It's interesting because politics have been like, you know, politics are typically so careful, you know, and then and then when you come into like an era where it's not careful at all and it just it's shocking. Do you know what I mean? For sure. Yeah.
1: Boys, we got we we have time for one last topic, and uh, I want to talk about a weird holiday, man. I want to talk about Easter, and Easter in and of itself is not a weird holiday. It's uh it's it's actually a pretty great one for us Christians, uh, but I think the expectations are weird. In that nobody really knows what to do with themselves on Easter. Um, like you have the feeling it's a special day. I feel like people eat weird things that they wouldn't normally eat. Like people people make ham. Like ham the main course on Easter Sunday. Um but but ham typically is a meat that nobody wants. Like nobody wants it enough to actually have it like the rest of the year. So uh my question to you guys is this what are you actually gonna be doing on Easter Sunday? And I, I can tell you what I'm gonna be doing. Uh I think we're getting takeout Indian food and I'll be playing basketball in the afternoon because I always play basketball on Sunday afternoons. So um that, and and that's a description of how I spend most Sundays. Um, so so for us, we're not like making a ham. We're not doing uh, any kind of typical Easter stuff. But uh, what about you guys, man? How do you how do you handle the Easter holiday?
0: Oh that's well, fascinating. I I
2: uh I have been putting together a uh, a lengthy list and a spreadsheet of all the best church marketing campaigns that I've seen leading up to Easter. So I'll be selecting my weirdness. church attendance based off of that. So uh <laughs> best promo videos, most money spent, uh best sort of bait and switch. Yeah, I mean, what are they <laughs> yeah. what are they offering in terms of uh the extravaganza? That was one that Ronnie shared earlier which was I mean, nice. so, it was so on the money, it was perfect. Um, are they doing like a, a retro font with their, with their design? So I have, a, I have a lot to consider over the next couple of days. Cause it's really hard to choose, uh, between the competing Easter campaigns. And then I'll probably go get saved because that's what Easter is. It's a big evangelistic campaign. There you go. Yeah. That so that's, I mean, right. that, that, uh, that's, I couldn't think of anything better to do. It was either that or eat chocolate bunnies, which seemed to have a lot to do with the holiday also.
0: You're probably, gonna do, you're probably going to do that anyway, pipe. Well, no, yeah, usually, campy. usually I wait yeah. till
2: after Easter because you can get them for like seventy five percent off. Oh, okay, all right. Big R, what does Easter look like in the
1: reclaimed factory
0: space, man? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, obviously, you guys can probably guess, you know, we we built a retractable roof. It's going to open at some point following the service. A spaceship is going to fly over and drop one billion multicolored eggs that have no less than 50 and 100 dollar bills all, you know, encapsulated inside the plastic eggs. And and that's how we're going to spend, you know, post service is. Is you know picking up eggs, getting pelted with eggs, being greedy for what's in the eggs, and uh, so, you know celebrating the uh, the resurrection of Christ at the same time because that's what you do. Um, but all snarkiness aside, um, yeah, I mean, gosh, man, uh, you know, I think uh, it's it's gonna you know doing the gonna wear my, my favorite pastels, you know, gonna mm. preach uh, g- gonna preach uh, you know Lazarus rising from the dead. And uh, and we're going to do a little uh, craft burgering later. You, That's you what we know that
2: Lazarus didn't rise from the dead on Easter, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, OK. So Baby. I'm going <laughs> to preach on something different. Baby, and, I want to go back uh, to the
2: pastels. <laughs> do you actually
1: own any pastel uh, garments? Are you are you a pastel guy? You know what,
0: man? I'm, I, I I love pastels, but I don't find myself wearing a lot of pastels. So I think the, the closest I'll get to a pastel is like a, a blue, but it'll look like a denim anyway. So that's <laughs> yeah. that's just right. So so <laughs> denim is what, you know, it would be my version of pastel blue. Do
1: you yeah. have like a pastel military jacket? Is that? a No, that no, a no.
0: I mean, obviously I'm going to be wearing, you know, a, a four sizes too small You know, probably dark blue like suit jacket over my
1: corset. It's like a hipster corset. Right.
0: Over my quasi like (laughs) denim pastel shirt, which, you know, you know, that's what else would I wear? You know, it is. Will there be will there be a a bow tie? No, I mean, I'm not Southern Baptist, so I don't have to do anything that Al Mohler does. Fortunately, uh, (laughs) and just, you know, know, I don't think I don't think Dak does bow ties, so I, I can skip the tie. You know, I'm just, guys, guys I'm going to tell you, I'm gonna be rebellious. I'm going to skip the tie this year.
2: You know,
1: Pastels and bow ties are a way of life down in the South, year-round. It doesn't have to be Easter. Uh, well, we should I celebrate, mean, celebrate the resurrection
2: people. of Christ with terrible fashion choices every day, Ted.
1: That's what I mean, yeah. I mean, the South is uh, – Christians in the South have really embraced these terrible Easter fashion choices for uh, – they celebrate that the entire year-round. year, year round. Uh, the, so, the number of grown the tie
0: men – We do. I mean, I I tell them, you know, look, man, you remember I said, we're not SBC. You don't have to wear that bow tie, you know, but there's something
1: about seeing a grown man in a pastel shirt and a bow tie. I feel like I'm looking at a giant toddler. (laughs) That's exactly what I I was going to say. The number
2: the number of grown men who look like they were dressed by their mothers in the south is insane. There's sort of two extremes. They're they're like Huckleberry Finn or they were dressed by their mother. (laughs) It's like the two opposite extremes of what you see. They look like they're going to Sears for like
1: a family portrait, you know, and and, and somebody's going to put like a sucker in their hand so they don't cry, you know?
0: Right. you know. What's crazy though? Check this out though. You know what's even weirder though? And, and I and I know this shocks you guys, right? What's so weird is like on Easter, when you see that weird dude that's wearing like a really horrible T-shirt and like a pair of shorts because it's a nice day out, like you're almost more shocked by that. Like, I know you look at the pastel and the bow tie and you're going, dude, really? I mean, you got to go that route. But then you see the guy who's completely underdressed and you're like, dude, couldn't you just step it up a little bit? You know, it is Easter. You know, like 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 we can't win with anybody. You know what I mean, oh,
2: and i I still struggle from like low grade church kid guilt about dressing up for Easter, like, oh, maybe I'll literally lint roll my sport coat and wear it for one of the two <laughs> days I wear it this year because it's that day <laughs> and I wear like jeans and jeans and a flannel or jeans and a like a polo or button down or whatever to church every Sunday, uh and never think twice about it, but on Easter, I'm always like, oh, uh." I guess I guess since Jesus rose from the dead, I should put a jacket on, and I, yeah, I, it doesn't make any sense. It's complete nonsense. But I still feel that guilt.
0: Pipe, how? You know I, what, I mean, what it's was good it? That you feel that guilt? What was, the, uh, what was the? What was the? What was the, since you feel guilt? It begs the question: what was the, What was the Easter vibe like in the Piper household for that day in terms of dress code?
1: Yeah, Big R, good question. Our fans love that, man. They love to hear what like life was like for young Pike. Young pipe. <laughs> young pipe.
2: Um, well, I remember when I was little, like when my mom still stuffed me in clothes, there was a lot of suspenders and clip-on ties involved. Uh, mm. I feel uh, like there may have been corduroy pants at some point. Um, I might be confusing it with other Sundays, but I feel like Easter was the quintessential stuff-me-in-clothes-I-hate day. Um, and... And then, um, as I got a little older, it was, it was just like, make sure that t- it's a nice button down, tucked in. Cause some days, you know, I would, I was the kid who would wear, you know, I'd tuck it in on my way to church and then untuck it as soon as my mom wasn't looking and things like that. Uh, so, uh, but I, I think so I, rebellious. I think we, I sort of tilted out of the like little sport coating clip on tie by the time I was maybe late elementary, 19. School. Yeah, 26. late college. I mean, um, yeah, no. So eight, nine, <laughs> ten years. Thirty six. But even so, like even in college, so I don't live <laughs> at home. I'm not going to church with my parents. But on Easter, uh, I would, I would still be like, oh, I have to, I have to go tie a tie for one of the three days a year that I wear a tie, and and so of course it was some, mm-hmm. you know, I had like three ties and none of them matched any of my shirts, but I'd choke myself with one and, and off I would go. I like
0: it. It's a strange day. It's a strange morning for the church, you know.
2: Period. Pipe, I want to. I want to circle
1: back to something you said in that in that bit uh, about corduroy pants. Did you ever in the nineties uh, purchase corduroy pants like of your own volition? Because I remember that was a thing in the nineties. Oh yeah, you could never sneak up on anybody because yeah. of the whooshing of your
2: corduroy pants. Um, I I'm trying to remember. I think I did like yeah, late nineties. So like eighth, ninth, 10th grade, somewhere around in there. Um, I I think, uh, I think I may have purchased a pair of, uh, of like khaki corduroy pants because yeah, those were, those were cool. Mm. Right. They were cool right before cargo pants were cool. And I owned lots of those too.
0: Boys, you, you know, I still wear corduroys, right? So that's, just throwing it out there. These were like, bag- no, like these I, were like
1: baggy. I got my tight fitted corduroys. Yeah, I got my. Imagine you wearing
2: anything. I got my
0: skinny like cords, 90. man. I got my skinny cords. Yeah, absolutely. Still got them. Still rocking them occasionally, of course. Of course. Yeah, that,
2: no these these were like the baggy '90s corduroys. Were like not quite like jinko jeans baggy, but like.
0: They were like the corduroys were like big, like the ridges were yeah. like they're like ruffles potato chips. <laughs> yeah, they
2: were massive, exactly. Yeah, like yeah, ruffles potato chips. Ruffles exactly. have ridges, yep. so do your corduroy pants, exactly. And uh, and yeah, and they were like big old, like the legs were four times the size of you, you know the typical teenager human leg.
0: They were like uh, raver, they're like raver jeans, pipe. Yeah, just, we, we get it,
2: just yeah. ugly is what they were, but I was proud of yeah. them in the time. <laughs>
0: a lot of complexities on Easter morning fellas. I think we can all agree on that. There's a lot of a lot of conflict, a lot of uh, complexities, a lot of second guessing our fashion choices. Right, Big T?
2: I'm I'm having like fashion anxiety looking ahead at Easter now cuz I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm a I'm a grown-up who doesn't have to dress up, but I still kind of have this 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 guilt thing telling me I have to dress differently. I don't know what to What's- do.
0: And it's like people just looking at you weird because, again, you dress up and you got like you – got, you got the snarky people looking at you going, Psh, sure. You had to wear your pastel. Like have you ever worn that pastel shirt any other day of the week? But then you have those weird guys that forget it's Easter and they're wearing like cargo shorts and like a T-shirt that they've had for 14 years. And yeah. you just go, dude, like that's totally unacceptable. I'm so jealous you know? of
2: those people. Those, those people have it right.
0: Those 16-year-olds? Yeah, they do. I think they probably have it right, for sure. Yeah,
2: no, it's still still better than pastels and bow ties.
0: Yeah, all right, I might uh, I might have to side with you on that one. Did we lose Ted? He
2: Boys, are you to. there? Hey, yeah, we gotcha. he's
0: here. There he is. <clears throat> There it is! Guys, Yay, everybody!
1: That's uh, the big winner. This hotel Wi-Fi is terrible. I I feel like and why they, don't we
0: wrap it, man? I feel like we, we owe our up?
2: listeners an apology for the number of edits that are going to have to be and the times when there's just disjointed pauses. So let's blame uh, let's blame hotel Wi-Fi and Rachel the held Evans out of here. Okay. Yeah, yeah we're
1: blaming hotel Wi-Fi. Uh, I want to thank the guys at Resonate Recordings. They're going to have their hands full. Uh, this afternoon, working on uh, working around the clock on this app.
0: All of our budget uh, money is going to resonate this week, guys. It's a shame.
1: But, boys, we have, uh, we've done what we always do, which is, uh, which is to wander to and fro, even, uh, even in spite of hotel internet. And until next time,
2: Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. Resonate has helped us with our editing and mastering pretty much from the beginning of the podcast. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Mark and Jake do a fantastic and timely job with all sorts of podcast services. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast.